Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aver. We're going to talk about USC football recruiting. USC picked up another commitment on Tuesday, an offensive line commitment. We're going to talk about that. And of course, USC fall camp is in full swing. Uh, we are simulcasting again. We haven't done it for a couple weeks. Live on YouTube, youtube.com slash Inside Troy. So if you're watching over there, Thank you very much. If you're watching the replay or watching us live, we appreciate that. If you're watching us live, we'll be able to take your questions and comments uh, during the show. And if you're listening on any of our other podcasting platforms, we do appreciate that. If you're on the Apple Podcasting app, please subscribe to the Parastyle Podcast and leave us a five-star review. Any kind of comments, questions you have in the, the comments would be awesome, but that five stars really helps us to grow the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call or text us. Leave us a text message. You want to do that? That's real easy. Text us over there. Uh, 424-254-9141 is the number. Or if you want to just call the old-fashioned way, you pick up the phone, give us a call and say, hey, guys, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. Here's my question. Uh, we'd love to do all that kind of stuff for you. Just any sort of interaction for the show makes it a lot of fun. And the live simulcasts have been a lot of fun. So I want to bring in my co-host, Chris Trevino. Uh, he is here. We're in studio. We just came from practice. We had to put up content from practice, instant analysis, Chris's ghost notes and all that. Now we're sitting down. We chowed down some lunch. It's already late afternoon somehow. I want to take uh, a nap, Ryan. You want to take a nap? <laughs> yeah. But I have to do this show for the people. For the people. They want their, their USC football fix. They do. Um, and we're, we're back in studio. I don't know if you can see. Hold on. If this if this will show it. Not as good. Um you can see maybe, uh, yeah. So Chris has the football, maybe the football helmet. I'll uh-huh. show the overhead view. Yeah, there's the helmet right there. Oh, I can put it up for Chris. Um, there you go. You can even lower it a little bit. But yeah, that's uh, we finally got it back. So you know, former intern Nicole, who congratulations to her. She got a job uh, for a TV station down in Waco, Texas. If you remember, Nicole was helping us out with shows, tunnel visions, and things like that. Um, she's moving on. She got her grad- master's from USC, uh, Annenberg School, uh, broadcast journalism, and she's now going to be on TV down at Waco. She's covering high school. She's covering Baylor. But she had borrowed the helmet. We've had it. It's been gone for a couple months, but we got the helmet back. And we're going to have Tunnel Vision full swing uh, going forward. So we're doing Sunday nights. Uh, we've got a new Jack, our new intern, is going to be helping us out. So I might be doing a little more hosting and a little less producing of the show. So a lot of exciting things over here. 
uscfootball.com. I know maybe you guys don't care about it, but if you're not a subscriber, jump in for a buck. You can sign up for a month. Couldn't be a better time to do it because right now, Chris, things are heating up, recruiting and the team. It's crazy everything that's going on right now. Absolutely. Can we get actually a little applause? Because applause? Yeah. yeah. Um, Congrats to you, your the YouTube channel, fifteen thousand subscribers. Oh yes, thank you. Congrats! If, if you're on the YouTube, yeah, please, you know, hit the little subscribe button, hit the like button on there. Thank you for that. Yeah, we're building, we're building up. I hit the, I hit the thirty k on the Twitters like this last month. Um, the Twitters, the Twitters, <laughs> yeah, the Twitter thing. I've been doing that a little more. I got my two four seven. The Twitters, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I could get an eighteen k, you know, tattoo on my calf like you. You know, if you put a different weird, you put a different number than the number of followers you had. Okay. And he was tattooed live on the show, by the way. Okay. Uh, on a television show. All right. We've had enough mumbo jumbo to start. We're just, it's kind of been all over the place. Um, we got, so, we, before we jump into everything else, though, I do want to thank Trader Joe's, have been a great sponsor for us, uh, I think four or five years now. So, such a great partner. I mean, I couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, the people over there have been so awesome to us, and I love going in there. And I told you guys last week, I read stuff on the, the website, and I'm like, that looks interesting. Okay, I told you red bell pepper, garlic, and Parmesan cream cheese spread. And Chris and I talked about the bagel thing and stuff. And uh, so I like, I was going through the store, and I remembered. I'm like, oh, I got to buy the spread. And I found it, like the dairy area, and I bought it. I bought the Trader Joe's bagels. And like every morning for the past three mornings, I've like cut up a bagel and made it and put that spread all over it. It's uh, It's legit. So... Uh, well worth it. Toast. I like the toasted bagel a little bit. You know, I mean, not, I don't like it brown, but I mean like dark, dark toasted bagel, slap a whole bunch of that on there. I'm more of a, like spread everything evenly, but for, for that, I just kind of like slap, you know, just put it all over it. You go crazy. It, it was, I went a little crazy there you go. and uh, it's, it's really good. So make sure you guys go check that out. Okay. Um, we don't usually start off with recruiting. We did instant analysis today. Start off with recruiting. USC had a Morning practice uh, at the at not closing at Howard Jones Field, 9 a.m. So we're down there. We get to go in the practice for about a half an hour. Then we go and work somewhere. And we were working with our new intern, uh, Jack, with stuff. And uh, shout out to him. He already edited videos for us and he's been doing a great job. But then we go back at about 11. They say go back about 11. And that's when we can practice will end. We get to go in and do the interviews and things like that. Now, they say 11. It didn't end until like 1140 or something like that. We were a little wrong. But at 11, there were some other, you know, sort of uh, breaking news happening because there was a commitment going to be announced. And uh, I'll let Chris, I'll put a graphic up, let Chris tell you about it. But it was live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. He made his commitment and uh, worked out well for USC. So, Chris, take it away. Absolutely. And if you don't know what we're talking about, well, USC got a commitment from three-star interior offensive lineman Alani Noah out of the NorCal Grant Union High School, Sacramento area, number uh, 675 in the 24-7 sports overall rankings, 24-7 sports composite, number 50 interior offensive lineman, much higher in the 24-7 sports rankings, number 26 interior offensive line prospect. He's kind of on that borderline of being a a four star prospect in our rankings. Really high rated five star, or excuse me, a highly rated three star, right on that verge of four star status. Six foot four, three hundred and twenty, three hundred thirty pounds. Just a big, big mauler. You know, this is a guy that 
you know, not a lot of people knew about, you know, in 2021. You know, Brandon Huffman talks about how he went to a Sac State uh, recruiting event, you know, combine thing. No one knew who this guy was, didn't have a single offer. And by the end, he had several Power 5 schools looking at him. So that's the kind of prospect USC's getting, sort of a guy who's really come on late in the recruiting process. But six foot four, 320, 330 pounds. He's mean, Ryan. Go watch his videos. The guy's putting guys on the dirt, you know, pancaking guys, plays right tackle for Grant Union, and he could play right tackle at the next level. Brandon Huffman, Brandon Huffman thinks that he has tackle ability at the next level, but also projects as an interior guy. He has the size and that strength to be a really good interior guard, but also has that athleticism to play tackle. So it's going to be interesting when they get him on campus, see where he kind of lies out. But Ryan, that's four offensive line commitments for, for this class. And I know there was a lot of worry early on. I mean, you still got to maybe try to get in a premier kind of left tackle prospect. But the foundation is really, really nice with this class with, you know, the Polynesian guys, you know, Noah, Michael ben- Benuelos, uh, who's going to be the future center, uh, Amos Talalele, who, you know, can play tackle or looks looks more comfortable being maybe a guard prospect but and then Tobias Raymond 6 foot 7 260 pounds really good developmental prospect but really good foundation got that o-line secured kind of going into the season and then hey see what might happen down the line you know you win 10 games maybe you flip a Lucas Simmons maybe you yeah. flip Francis Malioga you know those premier left tackle blue chip guys and, you know, I'm sure they're going to keep playing for another one. I, I would assume they're going to sign five guys in this class, maybe six, depending on what happens. But really got a nice foundation, and it's a big pickup. Fifth fifth consecutive fifth consecutive recruitment that USC has won, and the second that they've won over Oregon head-to-head. Yeah. And so that's got to feel good, especially for two off- two, for an offensive lineman. Yeah, two, were there two offensive linemen against Oregon, or was there? Uh, Micah Benuelos was down to USC, uh, Oregon. Yeah, Alani Noah was down to USC and Oregon as well. Yeah, so. so that's I mean that's something we haven't seen those head-to-head battles. And I, I think what you're saying about this, we don't get super in depth in recruiting. Make sure you check out the two-star composite recru- two-star recruit composite maybe. two-star recruit podcast with Chris and Gerard. They go like two and a half hours every week and uh, tons of details and stuff. But just knowing that, like, all right you were able to get some five stars early in the skill position areas. And there was a lot, you know, some of that momentum that you were able to build on that, but it was going to take some actual game footage. Like what does this team look like on the field? And I feel like, just like you said, you kind of build the foundation with guys that are like the four stars or borderline four star guys. And then you got in the field and you start winning like, Oh, this team won 10 games that changes the recruit. And then, like you said, maybe you flip some guys, but they're not going in where it's like we've seen this happen in the past where they missed on some of the big guys and they didn't get anybody below them. Um, this is sort of like you're building that the base and then there's potential for, you yeah. know, it's like gravy after that, right? You get some really good players. And then if you're able to bring in a five star or two late, that's sort of like the great, you know, the, the cherry on top. Right. It always felt like the, excuse me, close your ears, the Clay Helton era. Um, they would have to sort of win games to be able to get those guys in the end. Whereas this the Lincoln Riley in this class or this this staff is sort of building the class out going into the season. And, you know, 
I think we're pretty confident they're going to be a lot better than they were last season. So I don't think that's a huge worry, but no. it is the difference between maybe being like an, an eight and four team to being maybe an 11 win team. And we'll see what the difference is in recruiting. Cause if you win 11 games, you'll the Pac-12 championship, whatever, you're going to be in contention for some guys at the end, some guys that you were recruiting in the summer that you can kind of circle back with and get on uh, when, you know, Everyone wants to jump on. You know, these guys that are in the class now, they, they're they going off the faith of what Lincoln Riley's building. But when, once it's on the field and if, if the results go the way we think they'll go, then I think USC is going to be in a way better position by the end of – by December in time that early signing period comes around. For sure. Um, so we're going to get into some of the fall camp stuff too. Just mm-hmm. want to let you know if you're watching live on YouTube, I've pulled up comments. So I'll try to put some comments up on the screen as we're talking just – Bear in mind, I'm hosting and producing the show and doing all this stuff at once. So try to do all that, but it's a, you know, it's a podcast and we'll be able to get some questions in that people have emailed in from before, but I will try to take some live questions and comments from people that are happen to watch on YouTube uh, right now. But like I mentioned, it was a Tuesday morning practice. We heard from Lincoln Riley and the offensive players. Let me put up a little Lincoln Riley shot right there. Um, you know, I thought, you know, he was, Sort of brief today, Chris. There wasn't a... It did seem to be a brief... I mean, maybe they let him go like maybe 10-minute range, but today it was, it was like, like six seven minutes. minutes. Yeah, six, seven minutes. Really brief. It was weird. Uh, and maybe that was, it had something to do. Maybe to go call Lonnie Noah, you know? May, oh, that, sure, they just had a commitment or something like that. But, uh, they, you know, he talked... There was a scrimmage on uh, Sunday, Sunday night in the Coliseum. And so maybe we can start there with like what, you know, sort of thing was going on the scrimmage. You know, there was tackling. It was... Uh, you know, live drills with the, the players and coaches that we talked to, uh, you know, all seem to be positive. I talked to Kyle McDonald and Zach Hansen, the running backs and tight ends coach respectively. And, you know, both those position groups, you got a block, uh, you get tackled, you know, this was a, they really saw that the scrimmage like that as a benefit for, you know, ramping up physicality and just really kind of getting ready for football. But any thoughts on what you heard today, uh, about USC scrimmage on Sunday. Yeah, based on kind of what Lincoln was saying and kind of picking up on what other coaches or players were saying, it was pretty back and forth. And that's sort of been the theme as far as Lincoln has said uh, that, you know, we've seen in past camps where it's like week one, it's all offense. And then maybe week two, it's all defense. But the the theme of this camp seems to be that the defense and the offense keep going back and forth with each other. Lincoln did mention that the defense seems to have had a strong stronger last few days over the course of camp, which is nice because obviously we know the offense will be good. We know the offense will put up points. And then the defense is, what are you going to get out of the defense? Is it going to be enough to make this team a good team or a great team kind of deal? So it is a good sign that you see this this defense sort of asserting themselves against a pretty good offense with a with a bunch of really good weapons. And Brett Nealon even mentioned that uh, O-line coach Josh Henson was kind of uh, miffed off that the fact that the defense had been kind of getting the advantage of the offense a couple of times the last few the last few practices. And obviously Henson is the O-line coach. They set the tone down there for the offense. He is the also a co-offensive coordinator with Lincoln Riley. So I know he takes pride, obviously, in that offensive side of the ball. But Nealon said he thought they came out in the O-line kind of had a good scrimmage. And, you know, that's something good to hear. They ripped off. A, he said they had two explosive uh, big play runs out of the, out of the run game. You know, they had some big, big plays on the offense. Lake McCree apparently had a really, really nice day. 
uh, had a touchdown, hurdled over a guy, kind of showing that athleticism that we saw at the end of last season. And they're going to need him, obviously, with the Jude Wolf injury that we talked about. But, you know, defense, defensively, Lincoln Riley shouted out uh, two really good interceptions made by Eric Gentry, the newcomer linebacker out of uh, Arizona State, and then Prophet Brown, who who started at the end of the year in that Cal game in a homecoming kind of deal for him up in the Bay Area. He also had a really nice play. He called them both outstanding plays. So both sides, you know, getting cup, getting some uh, big plays out there on the board and on tape. And, you know, tackling was also a thing that he talked about in terms of, you know, that's the opportunity where you see offensive guys make tacklers miss and where you can have uh, defensive players make the play, make the tackle. He said there were some good, good examples of really good individual tackling made by the defense, things they can put on tape and show in the meeting rooms as, as coaching points. So, Overall, it sounds like uh, a very good uh, first scrimmage for them and seems like they also got away with, you know, not a lot of injuries out there because, as we know, some programs across the country took some beatings with their injuries. Yeah, there's been some. (laughs) Texas. There's been some bad ones. Uh, We're going to get into the injuries in a second, but you had mentioned uh, Eric Gentry. So, you know, if you watch him, number 18, uh, we – Chris, I think did you shoot some video of him today. I shot or? some video of him today. Okay, yeah. so we'll be able to put that up. We, uh, if you didn't see, we did put up video of uh, USC defensive back drills that were pretty cool, and we shot some defensive line drills today. So make sure you're checking our YouTube channel and up on uscfootball.com. We put a bunch of cool uh, videos just from what we're able to watch. But looking at him, he's just you know six foot six. He's this really tall dude, and you're like, okay, he's probably going to take a little while. But now then you start hearing about him, how athletic, how athletic he is, the range. Uh, I talked to – I. it's funny. One of the cool things is if you talk to players, coaches, whatever, if you ask them a question about somebody specifically, I mean, a lot of times you're going to get a positive answer. But when you're asking like more a broad question, sometimes they don't name names. Like they will – I asked Kyle McDonald, like, was there any um, – you know, standout plays from the running backs today. And he had said there were some like explosive runs, but he didn't say like, Hey, Travis died did this, or sometimes they keep the names out of it. I asked, you know, Zach, Zach Hansen, any defenders, you know, linebacker guys that are standing out to you, that are just really hard to cover. And the first name he mentioned, and I think it was the only name, uh, now you made a couple after that, but the first name he mentioned and got into it was Eric Gentry. And the fact that he's so rangy and athletic and can get his hands up, and bat balls down in, in different passing windows and stuff. Um, I thought that was really kind of interesting. He did make that, you know, maybe part of it is the reason because he made that interception uh, in the scrimmage. But players like that, you just kind of, not that you don't want to say you forget about him, but, you know, he was a freshman All-American. And just because he looks like he's a work in progress, he's good, <laughs> he's good enough to be out there playing. And it's weird to see him like as an interior you know, linebacker, I guess, but it someone like that is just sort of like you like that's going to be a huge loss for Arizona State, and I think in the long run, a big win for USC. Yeah, he only kind of looks like a a work in progress because he's so skinny. Yeah, because <laughs> you look at him, it's like oh, you need some weight, and you know, Lincoln Riley has said that like he's going to need to add weight, but he moves well, and he's obviously a freshman American, played in a lot of uh, got a lot of snaps last season, so he has experience. So it's an interesting dynamic where yeah this guy needs weight but he makes plays so that's kind of what the deal is and yeah that length is so 
unusual for obviously if you're on the edge or you're in the or you're on the line or something you you see that length all the time but you're not really used to seeing it in space and sort of in the middle of the defense you know if you're a you're a tight end you know you got a six foot six six foot six guy on you you're not it's like what are we on the the hardwood right now you know you're like trying to get a rebound you're not used to that you don't see like six foot six secondary players or, or middle linebackers you those guys are usually right there on the front or on the edge but so that's sort of that unique body type and I'm interested to see how that goes in season so long I'm worried that he's good in coverage but I'm just worried Pac-12 refs are gonna flag him all day oh. for, for that for that long wins, wingspan yeah we'll see uh, but yeah it's, it's good to see him out there uh, he was in a yellow jersey and he's back not in a yellow jersey yeah, he had it for one practice in the Coliseum, I believe. So yeah. he's been monitoring that. But he's been out of it. Romello Heights, the one who's been in the yellow non-contact. Um, but yeah, it just seems like Gentry's sorting, starting to get it. He's starting to make his way up the depth chart. We expected him to start low just because he did not, wasn't here in the spring, obviously. He has to learn the scheme. Got to get up to speed. Seems like he's getting up to speed. Lincoln said as much. You know, he's st- you're starting to see him make less mistakes, starting to understand it more. So... I would say in the, this next final week at camp is big for him going into, you know, prep week. And right now I would say he's a pretty safe bet to be on the two deep right now if he keeps progressing the way he is. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the, you mentioned Romello Height. The, if I, I filmed a little bit or took some pictures today of the rush ends, and it's a small group. You feel bad for for Roy Manning because there's just not a lot of dudes over there. Uh, Don't know. feel bad for Roy Manning. He was having fun out there today. He was I having a he good was time. Doing, he was trying to do the, the, oh my God. the he thing was, where you're trying to – throw the, the ball into the, the bucket or whatever. Yeah. He was having fun there at the beginning of practice. Yes. I think he'll be okay. So the court, usually like when the quarterbacks are sort of like doing nothing or whatever, like they were, some of the coaches, they will throw from one side of the field to the other. They were on Brian, Brian Kennedy field, so it's a shorter field. Sometimes they're trying to hit the crossbar of the goalpost. Sometimes it's a trash can in the middle of the corner. But Roy Manning, I mean, I took some pictures of him as he's throwing and like posing and stuff. So he was definitely having a good time. I guess he had a little more free time. He just didn't have as many players to coach today. Um, but, you know, still no Corey Foreman. Uh, just disappointing to see him, you know, out there not being able to participate. And uh, But they're, they're they're kind of thin at that rush end spot right now. But maybe, Chris, if you want to give like an overall injury update, and we can let everybody know what's going on. For sure. I mean, obviously, I think I want to start with guys who were back, and that would be Solomon Bird was back, uh, the rush end. So his, his group was a little bit better off than it was the last time we saw them, but Solomon Bird is back. You know, the defensive line transfer out of Wyoming. He still has that really big, bulky kind of brace on his knee, but it was good to see him back out there. Linebacker Shane Lee, he was back. I know that's a big one people have been worried about, you know, as that leader in the middle of the defense, but he was back in uh, in his shells, looked like a full participant in, in practice. Like I said earlier, Melo Height was in that sort of yellow non-contact jersey. I believe that is the, at least as far as we've seen in practices, that's the second one, uh, the second time or second consecutive practice that we've seen where he's been in that. So interesting if he actually participated in the scrimmage over the weekend. I, I, it sounds like they're being very cautious with him, and I think that's obviously the smart move, just how thin they are. Do not want to have a setback with him, so keep him uh, – keep him uh, – you know, protected until until that opener, uh, Bryson Shaw, he still is in full 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 wearing the the shells and stuff, but he is limited still. does does not look like he is participating in individual drills. He did do team warm ups today, which I think is a new development. But he is close to being back, but not there yet. Still being cautious with him. 
Uh, Gary Bryant, who returned to practice last week, good trend. Back at practice today, still f- full uh, full shells on. Looks like he did everything uh, throughout practice, so that's a good sign. Keep him healthy. And the new the the guys that continue to be out are, like I said, Corey Foreman, uh, Michael Jackson. The wide receiver has just been out pretty much entire fall camp, I think, outside of that first practice that we saw. So disappointing that he isn't out there. And then um, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Solomon uh, Tulia Pupu, uh, defensive lineman. He is still out. I know, obviously, a big fan favorite. Yeah. But he two remained, fan favorites out with Corey two fan and favorites, him. Yeah, yeah. Are, are out still. And then the new guys that ended up on Rehab Island today were linebacker, Former safety Chris Thompson Jr., yeah. wide receiver Kyle Ford, and then freshman cornerback who everyone is excited about, Damani Jackson. Yeah. So those were the three new faces at practice today that did not participate. Yeah, and uh, we had a question on uh, YouTube Sure. from Najee. Uh, any of these injuries sound serious? Seems like everything is just run-of-the-mill fall camp stuff. I mean, the Jude Wolf one, we know he's going to miss, you know, significant. You know, oh. Speaking of Josh Fallow was also out as yes, well. Josh Fallow. That, he was another, new also, I think, right? He was, he was new also, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll probably talk a little about the tight ends or we'll do it now. But, yes, Jude Wolf is the only kind of real, like, serious one that seems to be uh, out there right now. The others just seem like kind of like minor things in terms of maybe it's a concussion. Maybe it's just like uh, a little bit of a twist at something and they just want to hold them out to be precautious. Because they all seem to kind of fine on the sideline. Um, it didn't look too serious or anything like that. No one was like limping or anything or, or, or had any sort of, uh, are you doing the smash the like button thing? Yeah. So no one really, it, it didn't seem, none of the injuries seemed like that. Um, so that kind of deal. So I, 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 I right, right now I wouldn't say anything is sort of serious outside of, you know, Jude, who is going to have to have a procedure surgery done. Yeah. That's the most serious one we've seen. And then the Corey one is just sort of a mystery, as they are with all of them. But Corey's the one that's kind of like, what's going on there? Right. He was So Corey, we would watch him doing like kind of pass rush drills on the shadow, sidelines. Shadow rushing. Sha- yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, you know, sitting there in his jersey. It just I don't know. I couldn't tell that there was anything like wrong, but he was being held out so we're just not sure at this point what's going on with that which uh you know there was some optimism there and the the progress he made late in spring and um hopefully the injury won't keep him out too long because he's definitely someone that we get asked about a lot then the coaches get asked about a lot and yes we didn't get any injury updates from lincoln riley today they like i said the the the, the, uh, sports information staff like cut him off after i think only like five or six questions or whatever it wasn't that long He's um, pretty stingy with injury. Yeah, he doesn't like he to talk about that much. He doesn't really give much. Even if you do ask him, he's like, ah, oh, nicks and bruises. Yeah, a little bit of nicks this. and bruises. A little bit of that. Um, all right, so we got the injuries, talking about uh, Eric Gentry and stuff. You got to talk to uh, Jordan Addison today. I did. Um, I was there. Lincoln Riley was asked about Jordan Addison and, like, you know, how he could be used. I, you know, he talked about this is really only 10 practices. This was his 10th overall practice uh for usc so uh anything any insights on number three we didn't get to hear from caleb williams today he was supposed to talk but he had some kind of academic uh obligation but jordan Addison had a big group around him chris was right in there with him uh what was what was going on there yeah i believe the question asked to lincoln was you know just having a guy of that caliber does it uh does it allow you to sort of 
kind of get more creative, obviously, because you have this really great, another great, really great weapon to use. And he said, yeah, absolutely. But also they're still trying to learn him. You know, they're still learning his ways or his intricacies. They're still trying to get used to him and kind of uh, implement him to the, the, the offense as it currently stands. So I think that creative stuff you'll see a little bit as the season goes on, you kind of figure out more how to use him and utilize him the best way in that offense. And, you know, for Jordan, he he came out and said, you know, kind of the things that he's working on is sort of keeping his energy high because this is fall camp, Ryan. This is a grind. It's a grind for us, but it's a real grind for the for the players and such because you got to get up early now. You got early early practices. You got yeah. lift. You, you got have, some night practices. You got some morning practices. You're not you're not getting into that routine, you know. Yeah. So it's like got a lot of got a lot of things to do, and it's and it's hot out. You know, all these kind of things, learning a new offense, all the all this stuff. And, you know, he said he, he's been working on sort of maintaining that high energy, you know, keeping that competitiveness high. So I think that's sort of the big thing he wanted to convey to us as the media. But, you know, he was cool. He was chill. He's laid back answering our questions. Uh, team chemistry is going well with Caleb Williams. I know that's a big one. Yeah. People want to talk about because obviously that that connection will probably be USC's most um a fortunate one uh this season so yeah i think he seems to be doing well uh you know he's happy with the scrimmage uh, kind of everyone working together in the in the offense you know blocking wide receivers blocking running backs making big runs stuff like that so he he had he had good things to say about the scrimmage and, and liked what he saw from the offense yeah it seems like the chemistry between you know williams and addison are you know is great you know and uh that's good to see. And it's funny when Lincoln Riley gets asked about Caleb Williams, he usually mentions Miller Moss like soon afterwards, you know, just so I think he's been impressed with what he's seen there. But uh, Lincoln Riley was talking about, you know, all the additions to the team. Of course, you know, from last year, the roster has completely been turned over. And what we saw in the spring was close. But then they've, uh, you know, there was a bunch of guys that were out. There's a whole bunch of new additions that came in after do it the again. spring. You got to do it again. Yeah, it's sort of like, well, I, I felt the chemistry was good in the spring. And then, like, well, what's going to happen in the fall? You've had these new players. Like, if that wide receiver room is great, even though you've had these veteran guys that have been around the program, you know, some of the best receivers in the Pac-12 coming in, uh, the best receiver from Oklahoma coming in, and they still seem to get along really well. Well, then you go bring, oh, let's go bring in the Belitnikoff Award winner and see how, could that upset the chemistry? And, you know, we have to ask, we try to ask, you know, fair questions as much as we can. Um, sometimes there are things that the coaches or players don't really want to talk about. It's something negative, it just, but you have to ask about it. And sometimes it's sort of, uh, I don't say softball, but it's something that, you know, it they really enjoy talking about. And it just, I was able to ask, you know, Lincoln Riley about how the team chemistry has been. And he just gave this look today, which was sort of like, you know, the smile on his face about how, I mean, I think he understood, like, if you're going to go out and build the roster his unique way, like this, he, like he said, this is the most unique roster in college football history. There are risks associated with that. Even if every player you bring in is is a great player on the field and a great person off it, you still have to make it all work with these other players. I mean, just you know, you have two great people that just don't get along sometimes. You know, like that just happens every once in a while. So he seemed genuinely happy about the team chemistry, and I. I felt him, he didn't say this, but you kind of felt him wanting to say, like, I've not been around a team that was this close before or something like it that. It sounded Did, like he, you know what I, was, I, mean? I was re-listening to it. It sounded like he was going to say that, but yeah. then he sort of uh, 
kind of uh, switched off to a different kind of point, but it did sound like he was about to say that. It, he would have got roasted if he said something like that. Yeah, he but probably the, was like... Uh, and you don't need... It's hard to compare teams or whatever, but the fact that in his mind, this team gets along. You have the players that were left over that, you know, and they weren't just... There's not like leftovers, but they were a lot of players that left the program because they didn't like, they weren't buying into what Lincoln Riley was selling. They didn't want to have to put that level of commitment, that level of accountability. But the people that stayed were buying in. And then obviously the people that transferred in were buying in. If you came from Oklahoma, you knew what to expect. You're buying in. And they made it all work. It, it, he seemed genuinely happy that the, the chemistry is that good because he was probably still going to build the roster that way, but you're sort of rolling the dice where crap like what if our locker room just becomes you know there's cl he mentioned clicks you know there's things like that we've seen that with usc's you know they brought in all those guys from mm -hmm. texas there was like the california people versus the texas people like in the locker room we've seen the porter gustin days where it was like um i think it was porter gustin right where like people were following him uh his weight philosophy and not the what the weight staff you know the strength staff was doing like we've seen clicks and stuff before so the fact that there haven't been that. I think that's a really positive. Absolutely. And you can kind of see that that chemistry and how much these guys like each other just by watching small interactions like the Coliseum practice. We saw Mario Williams, I believe it was, kind of a, a teasing Eric Gentry for wearing a yellow contact, the yellow jersey. That's something you observed. And I saw it as well. But those are those are two new guys. Gentry hasn't been here that long. He's been here in the summer. And to have Mario Williams already like being comfortable enough to like tease him a little bit and have fun like that. That just shows how fast this, this chemistry has, has developed for the new guys. Yeah. And I, I mean, just asking Shane Lee at PAC 12 media day, you know, Hey, were, did you talk to the players that were on the team last year? And what did they say it was like? Was it like night and day? And they know, I like, if you're a new player coming in, you kind of realize like, Whoa, my new brothers, like this is what they endured like the previous years. And then, uh, and the players that are on the team kind of feel like, whoa, Shane Lee, this is the way things were when he was in Alabama. And he can, he can compare like the Alabama locker room to this one. And what's the differences? And, um, you know, I, I think all of that stuff has kind of worked and uh, they put this all together. We'll really see it, though, in season. You know, that's when it's going to be put to the test, you know, when they face adversity or anything hard like that. Because we've seen previous teams where, you know, they talk about team chemistry, but when something bad goes happen, you see it on the sideline. You see the body language change. That's going to be like an interesting aspect to kind of watch this season. I think obviously we expect them to win more games and stuff like that. But there's going to be times where they're hit with adversity. And, and that's going to be what we want to see. How does this team respond out of the locker room, in the locker room, on the sideline? How do they respond to, to what they're going to see in the season? Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you wanted to bring up before we, uh, we can switch over and do some questions? feel like i had something but i don't think nice. so we can do it nope i think we got everything perfect well let's take a quick break and we will come back and uh start doing some questions this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast and wanted to uh, get to some email questions and we'll try to take some more questions from the chat. Stephen Poway wrote in, Chris. He said, oh, okay. Yeah, dear Ryan and Chris, that's us. I've seen some photos of Josh Follow in practice and it looks like He's back. I know Ryan's been a big fan of number 83 since at least 2017, and so have I, but he has kind of disappeared. Do you think this is finally the year that we get to see his full potential? This is a very ill-timed question. With him being out of practice today. (laughs) Today he was out, and it's a bummer if you're obviously a USC fan because, as we talked about, Jude Wolf going to be down for the first half of the season and they need someone to kind of step up and follow is like follow excuse me is the guy you circle like hey we need you to step up you're a senior you know you've been injured this is your time new offense we saw that big play made in that clip they posted the one-hander you know that's nice and all but you got to be available kind of yeah that, that's kind of thing you can't make the club in the tub as they like to say and unfortunately follow has been in the tub a lot so that's a guy they could use, so I don't know if, it, if we start to see him miss more practices. Maybe it's just a one-time thing. Maybe when we're back out there on Thursday, it'll be he'll be back out there, but we're going to have to see. But I've had people, you know, talk about or I've seen people comment on the Peristyle or mainly on social media how we're good at tight end. You know, this is a blow, losing Wolf, but it's a deep position. It's not that deep, Ryan. I, I, I'm going to go out there and say no. it. It's not that deep if you really look at it because follow is 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 a mystery. And today it got a little more cloudy with him being out. And Ethan Ray, as much as you root for him, hasn't played a snap in college football as, no. I believe, a, like a redshirt junior at this point. You know, with those two knee injuries, he's come back. You know, he's the healthiest ever been, he's ever been. But I just don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to get out of him uh, this season. And it's kind of on Epps and Lake McCree now. And Lake McCree is coming off his own little little injury with the knee. You know, he had knee surgery in high school, so you kind of always have that in the back of your mind. But he made that really great play in the scrimmage, kind of hurled the dude, so that that's good progress. But right now you only have really two tight ends that you can depend on. And I think you're going to have to see Sean Mahoney, the former preferred walk-on who got a lot of time in the spring. He could be the guy. You know, I I, I you know, I, I know walk-on, you look at walk-on, and it's like, oh, walk-on can't, can't play. But sometimes walk-on's... Sometimes they can. Sometimes they can. And I think he's a guy to, you know, kind of a dark horse. Like, hey, maybe this is the guy that steps up. So I'm going on record. Tight end position, not that deep. Not that deep. They need some guys to step up. Yeah, um, for sure. And I talked to Zach Hansen today. Uh, he likes where, you know, Malcolm Epps is at. You know, like a guy like Lake McCree, if you remember him last year. Just when he caught the ball, he only had like a handful of catches, I think. But they were nice catches. They were nice, and they were they were bigger plays. And so, um, you know, they have different 
tight end spots. They, you know, don't need to necessarily use the tight ends all the time. It's sort of like you're, you're like uh, bidding for contracts, you know, you're like, Hey, we need enough tight ends that we can get extra, you know, they're trying to get reps, right? They want to get into the game. And the more guys that get hurt, the more limitations they have, it's going to be harder. It's like, well, there's a whole bunch of wide receivers. We'll just play more wide receivers and stuff. So, um, you know, that, I think they're going to be blocking. I think you're going to see some explosive plays uh, from the tight end spot in the passing game. But like Chris said, the depth isn't great. You need, they, they need to get these guys healthy and, and get them utilized. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it looked like Zach Hansen could play. He's a, he's a big enough dude, but um, I think Epps is going to have a big year, but you know, not having Wolf, who was going to be kind of a steady rock of a player, sort of like your, you know, he's like the base camp guy, like you, but now he's gone. And now it's sort of like, okay, where, what are these other guys going to do? Certainly. There's some concerns there. Base camp guy. That's interesting. You like that? Yeah. You need, um, need to identify more of those guys. We, so DFI was in the chat and it was, was asking a bunch of questions, okay. uh, but one of them he was talking about where are the four star composite offensive linemen? So he's, I think he's talking about the recruiting aspect of it. I'm um, curious as to why composite instead of, yeah, just so four star, why the composite? So I would say, um, for that kind of stuff, there, you know, if it's a West Coast kid, I, I usually trust the 24 7 sports uh, rankings more. Um, ESPN doesn't get out here a whole lot. Sometimes we've seen guys that were ranked high and like the other three, you know, two, four, seven and the other ones, but ESPN, uh, one of them, I think ESPN didn't even have the guy ranked. So it just kind of drops you down. So the, sometimes the composite, if it's not, you know, a widely known player, there could be a bad ranking in there that sort of skews it off. And uh, I think what makes sense, you know, with Alani Noah, DFI is that he's, you know, a borderline two, four, seven, four star guy. So he's not like, not every three star is the same. You know, if you were the three star that's ranked, you know, 2,570th in the country, that's a little different than if you're 580th or something. And, uh, you know, just on the border of being a five star, I mean, a four star. So that's part of it, but they have four, I mean, stud offensive linemen, I think, you know, are on, you know, four star borderline. And then, like Chris was talking about the potential when you win some games to add some even better, highly ranked players, but without seeing the product on the field, I think that's hard to, you know, bring some of those guys in USC had great recruiting momentum when they got started and, you know, it sort of slowed down and they've picked it up more recently. Like Chris mentioned, like five in a row and there's linemen in there too, but I don't think you're going to get some of those, more Goa guys until, you know, you start winning games on the field. And once you do that, there's no real, like, especially when we're talking about like a tackle or a left tackle, like is what they still need. They're not on the West coast. You know, the, the recruiting has changed like 20, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you could get, you know, premier left tackles out on the West coast, but that's not where it is right now. You know, they're not in California. They're, they're in Washington, they're in Texas, they're in the South, they're in Florida. So that's where USC kind of has to recruit now. And obviously recruiting nationally is obviously a lot tougher um, for any school, you know, to pull a guy out of a, a territory or a backyard of or when they have another blue bud there is tough. You're pulling out guys away from Florida, Florida State, Miami, who's really hot right now in the age of NIL. It's tougher. And 
you know, that that'll change and USC will grow and adapt. But if you lock up these guys on the West Coast that you know that you you trust your evaluation, you trust, you know, Josh Henson in that room kind of saying, this is what I like about him. This is what I can do with him. I, I like him. Let's take him. If they're given the green light, I think that you as a USC fan, that's all you have to do. You have to be on board with because I know. There's plenty of trolls. I've said this multiple times on the composite and on this show, Ryan, about people that that cry about three-star prospects. USC is not just recruiting three-star prospects. They are going to go after the no. best. You took, you saw them take shots for Lucas Simmons, for Francis Maui Ogoa, and they're still going to go after those guys. But you still have to build a class. You can't just wait around. No. Because if you do that, it's going to be a disaster. And they already built their foundation. And I say this a lot. Recruiting offensive linemen is all about projection. You you could have a three-star lineman that you recruit or even a two-star lineman, and they're they're a four-star guy by the time they leave or a five-star guy by the time they leave. Ryan, there are countless guys in the NFL draft who were, were offensive linemen that were unranked yeah. or they were playing tight end or they were a two-star guy, or whatever. Yeah, they they're, might be 230 pounds when they were recruited, and then by the time they graduate, they're you know six foot six and three ten, and they're a stud. You know, you you just have to look at it, trust your evaluations, trust when you're looking at them in person. Like, oh, look at his joints. I, I know he's going to grow two more inches. Or look at that frame. I can put. We can put 50 more pounds on this guy. Is he mean? Does he have some sort of? Does he have athleticism? Yeah. Does he have footwork? Is there bad weight on him? These are the questions you should be asking when you're looking at these guys and a lot of these guys in this class they have athleticism and they're mean sobs and i think that's what you take all day when you're recruiting when you're recruiting those offensive linemen and josh henson has a track record with developing these guys so you just got to trust him at this point yeah i think you just got to trust him go with it i know you want a whole class of four and five stars but that's not how it goes that's not how it goes so if, if, if this was a class of like Lucas Simmons and these guys, everyone would not be complaining. Right. But you still want that premier left tackle and they're still going to go after a premier left tackle. But this is an outstanding start to an offensive line class. And I, and I feel bad for USC fans because you haven't seen a lot of like the Chad Wheelers out there that came in at like 250, played some defensive end and tight end and then become like an NFL offensive lineman and they develop over time it's basically usc would bring in the like the tyron smith kind of guy that just looks like a dude right when he gets on campus khalil you know those like guys. matt khalil is six seven like dudes like that you just know are good that's what usc fans are used to just because like, they haven't been able to take other people and develop them it's just it's been more rare but you know like a josh henson has done that before and so you get guys that you like their footwork like you know you talk to offensive line coaches are like I watched him throw discus, you know, that shows how much footwork he has, or he posting up people at basketball. And I could see the way he was like using his body. Like they, good coaches can evaluate those players and they don't have to be 325 and six, six out of high school. They can be projected and they're just, they're still growing into the player they can be. You miss on some of those guys, but I think good coaches are able to identify those kind of guys. And I think you have to trust that the coaching staff knows what they're doing here. I know there's like there's like this culture shock because USC if USC recruited a guy like that before you'd just be like oh he's just terrible that's the only guy that could get like Chris said I think that's different than what you're seeing now they're not getting just the leftover three star guys because that's all they can get this is more of those guys that are projecting to be you those know, are the guys on their board that they like yeah and regardless of their rankings and what you just said is important because with the last kind of staffs and Helton staffs 
what it became clear was they only could take those three-star guys. Right. They couldn't compete for a blue-chip guy. And that's the difference, that this staff is competing for these blue-chips. They just need a little more help in terms of, you know, only selling by faith. When you win 11 games, you can sell that so much better. And I've said that a million times, and I hate repeating myself. But that was the kind of difference. That was the old staff could really only recruit these guys. You want to recruit those guys, but you also want to go after the blue chips because you're freaking USC. Yeah. And they're still going to do that. It's going to take a little more time. And remember, Andrew Voorhees was a three-star. And now he's like the most important lineman on the team. Borderline All-American. So development takes time with offensive linemen. Trust trust your evaluations. DFI still doesn't seem very happy in the chat, but uh, sorry, man. Did he say why composite? I'm just... I don't know. There's there's a lot of chat stuff going on. I'm trying to like do the show. But, uh, you know, hopefully... That's it. And we did our best to answer your question, DFI. I hope that's uh, satisfying for you. We got an email from Jim. Um, he actually wrote in, I guess, before and didn't get his question answered. But he he has questions for both podcasts. Like, try to put it to one because it's hard to really do for both. But the first question is, uh, what are the two greatest strengths of USC recruiting and the greatest weaknesses? And please go beyond offensive and defensive line recruiting as that's obvious at this point. Um. I don't know. If you're talking uh, about strengths, I mean, I, w- I would think about the recruiting process in general, not a position. Yeah. Is he talking about like positions or is he talking about just how the staff is? Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe he's saying that he's he's assuming that the, the line recruiting is a weakness. But if you're just like in, in general, I think USC, you know, the tradition that USC has is certainly a strength. It's the most NFL Hall of Famers. It's, you know, all the number one draft picks. It's the Heismans and the Rose Bowls and all that kind of stuff. You're a blue blood program, and that's a huge, huge draw. That's what big time, you know, one of the strengths that I would say. I would say strength just going out of the box is they have one of the best closer head coaches there is. Yeah. In terms of Lick and Riley. I can't tell you how many kids I've talked to where they've, said, I couldn't believe I was talking to Lincoln Riley, or I I was like, I was stunned I was thinking of Lincoln Riley, or I was in his office, and I was like, can't believe I'm here. Can't have any quotes I get of that. Lincoln Riley is a name in college football, and that's a guy who's a closer in college football. His his name has weight. It has cachet. You can even call him by Lincoln, and people know what you're talking about. You know, So I think that's the strength, that they have a sort of A1 kind of a one recruiter in a head coach who can go out and recruit alongside Dennis Simmons or Josh Henson or whoever. He is a guy who can throw his name behind a recruitment to help out. Yeah. And he's on the phone. He's making calls. He's making texts. He's like an assistant grinding out there. So I think that's sort of a strength of the staff is having your head coach just as grinding as your assistants. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, on the weakness side of two quick ones for you. I mean, one I'd say is just like Chris said, like you can only sell faith so much. They don't have any, there's no track record at USC. This is a, you know, it's a really good staff. They put a great roster together. But if you're recruiting today, you can't say, remember last year how we beat the crap out of Rice? Like they haven't done that yet. So like then you can, you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks you can show, oh, we beat the crap out of Rice. Or we beat the crap out of Stanford. Hey, went on the road and beat Oregon State. Like if you're like 4-0, and that's kind of, now you're, eliminating one of these weaknesses but right now not having any games is one of them and i'd say nil they're trying to do stuff with that with boulevard and all that but 
right now they're they're behind on the NIL games. There's just no other way to put it. Like there's other programs that are able to somehow get money to prospects to go to their school that USC's not been doing. So they need to use their strengths to get people to USC. But as far as just like doing what Texas A&M is doing or Louisville or Tennessee or Miami, they're not doing that. And if that becomes the norm, you know, I would say that's a weakness for USC right now. But any thoughts on that, Chris? I think you hit on those. And just sort of going back to the faith-based stuff, faith-based recruiting (laughs) – like we're talking about a religion or something yes faith-based recruiting it's like the kids and obviously we talk about track record because lincoln obviously has a track record but kids weren't there at those oklahoma games you know the 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 cycle of kids now they weren't there but you know where some of them were they were in the coliseum when usc was getting their their shit kicked in by (laughs) stanford those are the games they remember they were they were in the coliseum these west coast kids these west coast kids they saw a lot of losses they saw a lot of stuff like that so their parents saw a lot of stuff like that. So even though Lincoln and them have track records and they put guys in the NFL, it's like it's sort of like human nature. You kind of want to see it for yourself, you know, up close and personal. And that's going to change. Just just wait. Just wait like a couple more weeks. You're going to see it. Yeah, you'll be able to see it. That'll take the weakness away. Uh, and we'll see about the NIL stuff. Uh, his second question, uh, what were, in your opinion, the two greatest culture problems with USC football when Lincoln Riley arrived? Please go beyond losing as losing is a symptom, not the illness. Thanks for Jim's asking questions and then telling you not what not to answer to the Yeah, he's laying it down on you, right? Yeah. This one's for you. Here, I want you to answer this question, but don't answer it this way. This one's for you. Okay. Uh, This one's for me. Yeah, it says question for Ryan. Um, I mean, losing, man. Losing. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jim. Accountability. Yeah, I mean, that's the word that comes up the most as, I mean, I think. You know, it was a discipline problem for sure. And, the, you know, the analogy you use is sort of like there's certain kids where their parents are more like this laissez-faire attitude and they don't, you know, they're not really big into parenting and discipline. And if the kid wants to eat cookies for dinner, you know, like what was that? Uh, no, it wasn't Eddie Murphy. Uh, the, the one that chocolate cake one. Why am I blank on his name? Who's the, uh, chocolate cake? What was the, who's the, the Jello? Why the Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby. Oh my God, I couldn't think of think of Bill Cosby's name. How could I not think of Bill Cosby's name? His one of his because he's the worst. One of (laughs) he's a terrible person. It turns out. But the back in the eighties, the funny thing was like the kids ask, "Can I have chocolate cake for breakfast?" And he's like, he's looking at the ingredients: eggs, milk. Like, oh, okay, you could have chocolate cake, and they're eating the chocolate cake. If that's what your parents are doing, you know, it's great, and you can stay out as late as you want. You go, you know smoke in the backyard if you want to and your parents don't say anything after a while like kids sort of like crave that discipline like i need to be told what to do sometimes and i really felt like that was happening and a lot of the players that stayed were sort of craving that discipline they needed someone to not just be their buddy and everything that happened and say everything's good and um you know some of the stories we i I think john jackson told this story uh so john jj you know, John Jackson, the third's dad, who's, you know, he's a number 80 on the team. We did a, an event for like the Trojan Coaches Club or something like Sean Cody was there speaking. I was speaking and JJ was speaking and they had lost some game. Uh, Clay Hilton era. I forget which it was. might have been Stanford early on or something. And John Jackson was sort of like, you would think that the team got chewed out. 
And instead, everybody got free shoes. Like, so that was Clay Hilton's answer to them losing the game. He was like, we're all getting free shoes, you know? And his son, I guess, gave it to his dad. He was like, you're sort of hoping like, oh, you know, lose more games. I want to get more free swag and stuff. But that like, that's the kind of stuff that was happening. So I think the, the overall discipline of the program was, was poor. It wasn't run by someone that was in charge. You know, there's alphas. If in every walk of life, you're going to see, you're going to see someone, whatever it is, if it's digging a ditch, if it's, you know, investing in the stock market, there's people that are alphas. They like that guy or that girl, whoever, they know what the hell they're doing. Like they figured it out. And even, you know, they, if there's something a little bit wrong, they know what's wrong. They fix it. And you just never got that impression from Clay Helton that he knew what was going on. He sort of like had some plan and they would just follow the plan. And it doesn't matter if you got way off course and th- things were like nose diving, they were circling the drain. Well, week three, we do this. So we're going to keep doing that. Like ignoring the fact that the you're, the plane you're on is crashing it on fire. Be like, well, it's time for the seatbelt check now. So let's go do that. You know, like it, you felt like he was just following the directions that they set up in the beginning of the year. And it really didn't matter what happened. And they weren't reacting to, you know, sometimes you have to add, you, you need to change things up. You need to do something different. Lincoln Riley's already changing practice times, doing things different. Clay never did any of that stuff. So long answer. I mean, the symptom was losing, you know, that was a, uh, they were losing, but I think it was because of all this other culture stuff with the the discipline and just like an overall, like the great leadership skills. I just don't think we're there. And when you don't have a great leader, that's kind of fixing, you got to fix a lot of problems, you know, like I'm the publisher of the site. I have to oversee everything and I'm seeing what people are doing. And if I see something a little bit wrong, you kind of direct people in the right way. If I don't know what I'm doing and then they can kind of go off in the wrong way and, you know, and you need help, you need feedback from them too, but you just have to be, to be a great organization, you really have to have great leadership. And I think that's, that's what was seriously lacking from last, you know, several years. That was a lot. Sorry. Well, well done. I, I kept going. I could, on that. I that was like a rant. I could have done without the Bill Cosby reference, but I'm so sorry. Yeah. But, uh, well done. It was a funny bit back then. Right. I couldn't remember his name. So maybe that's good. <laughs> I guess. But just, yeah, just a bad, bad person. Sure. I think he got let out of jail or something. All right. This is, I don't know, whatever, but, um, all right, thanks for that one. And then we have one last one from Calgary. Andy in Calgary. Calgary. Alberta. We love our friends to the north. Uh, I asked the question before when Lincoln Rally was named coach, if season ticket sales jumped, wondering the same after the Big Ten announcement. Thanks and fight on, Andy. Um, ticket sales did jump. I don't, I mean, for Lincoln Rally. I don't. No, I could ask about the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to be an immediate impact on ticket sales today. I think it's long-term, it's a good thing. You're going to see ticket sales be higher when, you know, you're going to sell more tickets if Iowa's coming to the Coliseum versus Washington State, just from opponents, you know, there'll be more people coming. But I haven't heard anything like recently for that. But I think in the long-term, yes, it's going to help ticket sales. But the biggest thing lately was, Lincoln Riley. That's just, that's made everything. Any thoughts on that, Chris? No. I'm not a ticket sale guy. Not a ticket sale guy. Like, we've seen a huge jump um, in our subscriptions, our views, all this stuff. By the way, 200, there was, oh yeah, we got like 270 people watching live right now in the afternoon, Chris. So, are you going to like go take a nap? Question if they have jobs or whatever. Taking a nap. Yeah. Because I want to take a nap. 
I do too. It's been kind of a long, um, a long day. Let me check anything else, Chris. I want to check and see if there's any other questions in here we can for sure for kind sure, of jump sure. to. But um, yeah, I think that's probably going to be. I think that's probably going to do it here. We, it's been a long day already. We were you know at USC early, we just haven't stopped uh, going with things. But hopefully, you guys uh, enjoyed this. We do appreciate everyone that was watching live uh, on YouTube. Tons of videos going up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Inside Troy. Interviews, incident analysis, podcasts like this, tunnel vision, lots of shows. So, I mean, it, we're having a lot of fun with it. We put up like Lincoln Riley's video from today, too. Um, so trying to get you guys some cool stuff. But the meat of it, obviously, is over at uscfootball.com. So make sure you go check that out. If you're not a subscriber, I know there's a couple of people in the chat said they just became subscribers. So Thank you very much for that. We really do appreciate it. That's how we make investments and hire more people and you know do stuff like this in the studio is just because we get a lot of people subscribing, a lot of people uh, supporting the site. And I'm always ready to reinvest into it and make new hires and just guys, bring you guys the best content uh, absolutely possible. So thank you guys uh, so much. For Chris Trevino, uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Nap time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.